1: Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. Tell me a little bit about when, okay, now now you have to deal with the new head coach. You come in, and you've been through this a lot. In 2008, yeah. you went through three head coaches in one season. Yeah.
2: You're sold one dream, right? you sold one bill of goods. You're sold how they're going to use you, how you can help this football team. And then mm-hmm. when a new regime comes in, new coaches, it's like, oh, you know, you're dating all over again. Oh, does she really like me? I, I, I can't tell.
1: Welcome to the NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Brian Billick. Michael Robinson couldn't make it, so I'm joined by former lockdown corner, D'Angelo Hall, three-time Pro Bowler. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're going to talk about that the NFL, it's all about change. It's constant change, and constant change in the front office, change in the coaching ranks, of course, change in the locker room as well. So, Dee, great to have you here. Of course, uh, it's just the two of us, so i got to put it on you for entry
2: into the to the podcast, you got to give us a locker room story. Okay, locker room story. Um, wow, I guess I'll go back to my nine games, my illustrious nine game career as a member of the Oakland Raiders. Um, and I can remember sitting there having a conversation with Al Davis when I was trying to get traded out of Atlanta. And I'll end up trading a second round draft pick, I think a six round draft pick. And the way the deal was structured, um, you know, my agents were telling me, because I used, you know, two different agents at the time. Um, they kept telling me, you know, D. Hall, this looks like a one-year deal. And Al Davis said, hey, come on, D. Hall. I wouldn't trade all of that and cut you in one year. And lo and behold, hey. for the season, Al Davis calls me into his office and says, yeah, D. Hall, we're not as good as I thought we were going to be. I need some of that money back. We got to get better in other positions. That was the offseason season of 2008 when we went out and spent a lot of money re-signing some, some players in Oakland. Had a really good defense, had Jamarcus Russell at quarterback, so we couldn't score a lot of points, Coach. It was a tough season for me, but I ended up finding my way um, to Washington We. Nine, I ended up going to Washington, getting uh, released from Oakland, signed in Washington, and finished up my 14-year career in Washington. So not all money is good money, young fellas. Remember that's that. That's right. Not all that's money right. is good money. <laughs> and,
1: and highlights the subject we're talking about, change, because, you know, coaches and front office, we can say all we want about, about oh, yeah, you're my guy, and we're going to doing this and that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to the money, that's the real deal. And you're finding, yeah. okay, fine, but are you going to pay me? <laughs> Am I going to stick yep. around? You know, NFL stands for not for long. And whether it's coaches, players, the shelf life, you know, it's tough. We're going through it now. I want to talk about in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson. This is the guy that won a Super Bowl three years ago. For the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. And the Philly fans, the dream has finally come true. Lombardi Trophy Going to Philadelphia. And evidently, obviously, not a great year this last year. Final score, Washington 20, the Eagles 14, as the Eagles finished the season 4-11-1. And, and as typical, when it comes to changes with coaches, a lot of times you hear, well, he lost the locker room. I want to talk a little bit about that, about when, when they say that, how does a coach lose the locker room? Because I'm a coach, so I'm going to, to me, yeah. a coach doesn't lose the locker room. The locker room loses the locker room. The players lose the locker room. Tell me about that idea of how a coach loses the locker room.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, Coach, let me push back at you for a little bit and and, yeah. and, and just give you this scenario. Um, if I'm a leader on your football team, if I'm one of your defensive captains, and, you know, I'm constantly getting beat, I'm constantly letting balls go over my head, you've never called me out in a meeting, you've never pulled me aside, and the play continues and the play continues, and almost to the detriment of our football team. Um, We're losing games because of it. And and yet we can go to another player on this roster, maybe a receiver and he's dropping passes. He's benched next guy's in, or, you know, a a, a defensive, uh, a corner who's, you know, giving up plays Uh, he's out of there. The next guy's in. And so I think it comes down to really accountability coach. Um, I think to me, that's the quickest way you lose the locker room. I don't know every scenario and situation that transpired um, up there in Philadelphia, but it did seem as though Doug Peterson lost a little bit of credibility as far as those guys went in that locker room. And I think ownership, I think management, um, I think they felt it. I think, you know, seeing Carson Wentz open, openly say, Hey, I don't want to be here and understanding how, him not being happy hamstrings that organization. I think I heard heard Jeffrey Lurie say, "Hey, it, it's not fair." Um, Doug Peterson, I love you. You've brought a championship to this city, um, but we have to do what's best for our football team. And so, you know, what was best for that football team? You know, we talked about it, Coach. How do you move a guy like Carson Wentz who has so much dead money coming or so much, um, you know, new money coming? It just kind of hamstrings you as an organization, and. You know, a lot of organizations are faced with this decision because do you do like Dallas and you, and you and you wait or Washington like we did with Kirk Cousins and you wait and you franchise a guy and then you possibly piss him off and then you miss out on really signing him? Or do you go and sign a guy early like Philly did with Carson Wentz and, you know, we kind of see how that's working out for them now. They still have, you know, a little bit of turmoil and they don't know what's going yeah. on. So I, I don't know if it's a, a true answer to that to that yeah. question. And it's
1: real. No, I'm with you 100%. When I look back, when, when I struggled, you know, I hear I'm in Baltimore. We go 13-3, and three, okay? Now we lose in the divisional round unexpectedly. The next year, uh, I lost my quarterback. I lost Ray. I lost Jonathan Ogden. We had a lot of injuries. But it doesn't matter. You know, at the end, okay. we went five and 11. And and so I end up getting fired. And I will tell you, one of the reasons as I look back on a critique, it is I probably did not have the pulse of my locker room. I, I wasn't processing or didn't process what the difficulty we were going through and how it was affecting the locker room. So that's that's very real how a head coach has to tell me a little bit about when, okay, now now you have to deal with a new head coach. You come in, and you've been through this a lot. In 2008, yeah. you went through three head coaches in one season, yeah. and you went through it in, in Oakland. You ended up with, with three head coach, different head coaches in Washington. Talk about a little bit the perspective from a player, an established player that now has to deal with a new leader, a new direction of the team you're with.
2: Yeah, and I've always struggled with that, Coach. I've been extremely blessed throughout my career to play for for some great organizations. Even like I joke about the eight games in Oakland, but I still wouldn't change anything to have the opportunity to meet the great Al Davis um, and be a part of that organization. Same thing with Atlanta and Arthur Blank and Rich McKay, and you know to come up here to Washington, my home team. I grew up a couple hours um, from from uh, from the stadium, and so. You know, it's it's, it's extremely humbling and, and, and you want it so bad, especially like I said, being being from the uh from the DMV area. Uh but change is hard. Change is hard because you're so one dream, right? You're so one bill of goods, you're so how they're gonna use you, how you can help this football team. And you almost feel, you know, kind of self-assured in your role. Mm-hmm. And then when a new Regime comes in, new coaches, it's like, oh, you know, you're dating all over again. Oh, does she really like me? I, I can't <laughs> tell, you know, Coach. So I'm hanging on every word you say. Right over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm back. Where is she at? Yeah, I'm back being a rookie again. Yeah. So mentally, I mean, it's exhausting, let alone physically is exhausting because as a veteran, as an aging player, you kind of want to save your legs a little bit, yeah. right? You know, you, you kind of don't want to – you don't have to go out and go hard every single play. Right. Um, it's a fine line. I can remember a guy who coached Charles Woodson. He coached me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he goes back and he tells me, man, you remember how Coach wanted you to take every single rep in practice? He was like, man, I got to see Wood over here, man. We don't let Wood touch the field till Friday. And I'm like, for real? Oh, I know Wood feet feeling good. I know his hands means. I know he fresh. But with different coaches comes different expectations. So everything changes, Coach. It's like a revolving kind of, you know, all right, who do I have to impress this time when you don't have just a constant voice and message from the top down for years and years. It's hard. I mean, you can probably speak to that as well, Coach. How hard is it, you know, when you have one, one group of personnel Um, And then, bam, you know, either you get a a coordinator stolen away um, or you have to leave like you took the job when you left Minnesota to go to Baltimore and bring in other pieces that don't necessarily or, you know, bring in coaches and pieces that don't fit what that cupboard already has.
1: Yeah, that is a tough one. I came to Baltimore. One of The hardest transitions was Ted Marchabroda had been the head coach and Ted was old school. And it was padding three days a week and hitting, and you know it, it was hard training camps. And I had come out of the Denny Green Bill Walsh school of get them to the season opener fresh. So it it I, I and it was guys like Rod Woodson and Shannon Sharp and uh, Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden and and Michael McRae and Peter Bower. I had to convince them said, guys, look you're going to have to trust me. I'm going to take care of you. Okay. I will. Now they didn't know that. They didn't know I was going to be, but so, but you got it. When I say go, we got to go. Yeah. If you'll do that, then I'm going to take care of you on the other end. I'm going to make sure we don't wear you out. But when I say we got to go, we got to go. And then like you're talking about, it was tough because we had some good coaches to start Marvin Lewis. Okay. So he leaves and and goes. Um, So I put in uh, Mike Nolan, well he gets a head job and then he goes uh, so then then uh, you have to reach down and I put Rex Ryan in. And so I was fortunate in that I had good coaches who I developed within the staff to kind of take that over. but it is a shock to the system, that kind of change for your players. Okay, what does this mean now going forward and and, and it is tough for them as they go forward and and you alluded to it i'm i'm in, I'm always interested in because we already talked about. You have to make these business decisions, okay? Mm-hmm. I remember and Newsom would always come in and tell me at the beginning of every year, "Okay, we can't keep everybody. Okay, <laughs> we gotta we gotta allocate the money here yeah. and there." As a player, and you see good players, maybe for legitimate reasons, go out the door. How does that affect you that you're still here? And yet, yet I say, "Hey, that's a good player. Can help us win." And he's no longer here. What What are we doing here?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is the toughest thing because, you know, as I got older in my career, you know, I kind of just, I don't know. I had a special ability to kind of have a pulse of the locker room. Um, and it wasn't something that I, you know, went in there and seeked out. I, You know, guys just always um, sought me out for advice. And uh, I spent a lot of time in our GM's um, office, just trying to help figure out, out personnel. I, I just was always um, intrigued by that coach because you're absolutely right. When you're, you know, it was times that I was considered a number one corner and I was still going in there advocating for another number one corner. Why? Because it's going to make my job easy. I don't have to follow a guy like I wanted so much competition. I wanted better receivers. I wanted pass rushers. And as I got older, I, I, I kind of didn't mind taking a little bit less to ultimately reach that goal. Because as a young player, man, you think I, Man, I can do it by myself. Who cares? Right. Give it all to me. Who cares about them? But as an old player, you start to realize, man, I can't do this by myself. I need some help. If it costs me two, three million less, uh, you know, annually or over the length of this contract, you know, I started leaning toward this side and and the thought process of we're better when this football team is better, not necessarily me, me personally.
1: You know, it it was interesting. And and with all the coaching changes we got going on in Houston, you have Deshaun Watson, phenomenal young player. Yes. looking for a GM, looking for a coach. Where's that fine line, do you think? Because as an organization, you got to listen to the players because the players you got to the yes, players. Sir. But where's that fine line between, okay, I got to listen to what the players, the input they have, but at the end of the day, you know, we got to make the call and we can't let, we, yes. you know, because which players? It's it's fine that it's Deshaun Watson, but you may have a lot of players with, where you draw that line going, okay, guys, I appreciate the input, but we got to make the decision.
2: Yeah, um, you know, coach, you know, the Houston situation is tough. It's tough when you when you just sit back and look into it. Um, I don't know Jack Easterby at all. Um, I know uh Nick Casario a little bit from 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 some dealings. Great guy, great um scout, great talent evaluator. I think he'll be successful. Um, but when you walk into a situation, um, you know, and your best player on that football team. Um, ownership has already told him, Hey, you're going to be a part of this decision-making process, or at least that's what we've heard on the outside. I think sometimes that's when things get, get misinterpreted. Um, you know, a lot of times for me personally, it was all about communication and, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, I don't know if people know my departure from Atlanta, um, but it was kind of tied along with the whole Michael Vick saga, them wanting to kind of, you know, write a new chapter. Me feeling like I want a fresh new start. They had a new regime, uh, but for the most part, it was communication. It was, it was me not going up and being a man and saying, "Hey, guys, this is what I would like to see happen." It was just me thinking they could read my mind. And so, um, you know, I think the best thing for both both sides, both parties, is to have an open dialogue. You know, I know ownership said one thing as far as having Deshaun Watson be a part. Of that decision making process. I absolutely think, um, you know, when you've invested the kind of money you have in Deshaun Watson and the kind of player he is for that organization. Um, the cover is pretty bare when you talk about how do we get better with draft picks and, you know, being kind of uh, hampered by that salary cap. So it's going to take Deshaun Watson actually wanting to be there and being in good spirits and feeling like that 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 this plan is the right plan moving forward, you know, because as we've seen in basketball, the players are starting to get a little bit more influence, coach. They're yeah. starting to kind of, you know, make make some things known. And when you pay guys a whole lot of money like every sport's doing nowadays – it's kind of hard to tell that guy, uh, nope, uh, yeah. your, your, your opinion doesn't matter as much as I, as I once said it did.
1: It's it's interesting you would bring that up. My son-in-law played in the NBA for 10 years, and and so having to get to be around that, just on the peripheral, though, yeah. you know, I'm used to being in an NFL locker room. It was the first time I was kind of exposed to an NBA locker room, which is a totally different dynamic yeah, it is. about what you're talking about in terms of just the sheer numbers and all the money. You love that. All the money in the NBA is mm-hmm. guaranteed now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a different deal now where you know yeah. everybody's guaranteed. Uh, and so how that changes the perspective and you're right, the NFL all, but with the numbers is kind of heading that way. I, I'm interested. Let's talk a little bit about, cause yeah, change head coaches go and coordinators go and players go. We've got a place like Pittsburgh where sometimes the change that has to happen is going to be subtle because Mike Tomlin's got a job in front of him. That's a good football team. Yeah. They got a good offensive line. They got great receivers. Ben's proven defensively. They've got great rush guys on there They've got a good team, but something's not right. How, how, let's talk a little bit about what does Tomlin do? What do the players do to change what clearly needs to be changed? Because the last month and a half just hadn't been right in Pittsburgh. But it's not like they need to change a bunch of you know players and coaches because yeah. they're pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah, nah, coach. You're absolutely right. You think about how the Pittsburgh Steelers play football, how they played football um, for years and years and years. Um, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger was drafted in the same draft as me. I'm I'm extremely close with him, um, and to to as a friend, see the end coming for him. I don't think it's 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 it's, it's here by no means. I think he can definitely still go out there and play. Uh, but when you watch this team. Something is missing, coach. And, yeah. you know, my Washington football team was, I, was the first team to go up there and, 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 and knock Pittsburgh off. And while I was watching the game, It just seemed as though that football team wasn't playing with any urgency. It just seemed as though they felt like, oh, man, we can cut it on. We can cut it on when we want to. We can cut it on when we want to. Um, And as you know, in the National Football League, Coach, it it doesn't work like that. Not a good ending for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They turn a 14-3 lead into a six-point loss. The Steelers' unbeaten run has come to an end. You know, every single play, you got to go out there and you have to want it more than that person across from you. And I think what's so special about football is, you know, at the end of the day, we can we can draw up all these schemes and we can do all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, I have to beat you, period. Um, that's why I love playing corner. Um, I had the opportunity to play other positions in college and um, I just love playing corner because I loved that, yeah, you got a little bit of an advantage over me, right? You know where you're going. you running forward, but – I'm going to show you I'm just as nice, just as fast, just as quick. I don't know where you're going, but I I got you. And I wanted everybody when I got in the league. I wanted T.O. I wanted Randy. I wanted um, Marvin Harrison, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. Some guys ate my lunch, but I wanted them. I wanted that physical altercation. I needed it. You know, I needed it. I needed to be a part of the, part of the game. And so, you know, I, I always wanted it.
1: Yeah. The final thing in change, because we talk about personnel, we talk about coaches and let's talk just briefly about the change in the game, because it is changing a little bit. You know, some of these young quarterbacks and the athleticism yet here we go going into the divisional round and we got guys like still Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they're still at the top of the pyramid doing that way, you yeah. know, and 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 pretty pretty darn good. Uh, but then and Drew Brees, you know, uh, these are three Hall of Famers, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, we also have like Lamar, and we got Patrick Mahomes, and we got Josh Allen.
2: How much? Yeah. How much is the game really changing? You got a little bake bake, yeah, coach. I mean, you know, coach, just think about it. You really have. Not not a battle of philosophies, but I mean you have a shift right now that's developing in mm-hmm. the National Football League um you know me when I get the opportunity to build a football team, I 100% believe you have to affect the opponent's quarterback mm-hmm. that's me pass rush mm-hmm. um and you have to protect yours. That means I got to get a good offensive line whether we run, out of that whether we can protect our quarterback through all uh, facets um, of the game I feel like that's what you got to do got to get out the, the other team's quarterback yeah. and protect yours everything else kind of falls into place and so when you talk about those two things that I value one of them is getting out to the quarterback when you got a quarterback that even if you leave a guy free and you know coach trying to scheme up protections and when you yeah. got crazy coordinators who leave guys free and won't let you release five and do all this different stuff. Um, how nice would it have been if you had a dude who could have just gave a little shimmy, got out the pocket. And I'm not saying you got to be Lamar Jackson and run right. for three. No. Right. But if you can just, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I love that dude. I mean, if right. you can just get a little bit out the pocket, if you can do like Patrick Mahomes and have a, have a little bit of something, something to you um, and Josh Allen, I mean, gosh, I mean, I love that. If you can do that, If you can be 6'5", 260 and throw the ball all over the place and can get out the pocket, I mean, I'm looking for one of them dudes, too. And so, (laughs) you know, I think everybody's looking for a guy that doesn't need to be protected 24-7 because I called that Washington-Tampa game live and – Though, though though, I felt as though Tampa never was um, in trouble in that game, even though the scoreboard said, hey, Washington's very close, I think you always felt like Washington was very close because Tom never could get out the pocket. And he, he never will. Doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback. He's still a the GOAT. you know. He's going to have a gold jacket along with Drew Brees and some of these other guys we named, too, that aren't mobile. It just means their minds are so yeah. sharp. You know what I mean? For them to do what they do, and not have that athleticism, um, you know, to get out the pocket and and help. It just means they have to know 100% who's accounted for. Kind of like having speed at corner coach don't mean I can cover everybody. It just means I can make a little mistake and catch up. And that's what I think athleticism at the quarterback position allows you to make a mistake, miss protection, leave a guy free, or that tackle mess up and you still can go make a play. Hopefully you got a guy who can throw the football though. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you you remind me of one of my first one of my first DB coaches, and he says, "I, I don't want a four three corner," and I go, "Why?" He says, "Because when he gets out of position, he gets way out of position." <laughs> I thought, okay, I can follow that a bit. But, way out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so, and I agree. I think it's a hybrid of. To me, you still got to have a guy that can beat you from the pocket. You can do the outside things. That's great. But it's, it's it, until one of those guys outside the pocket truly wins a championship, to me, you still got to have – and it's going to be a hybrid of that, that mental capacity that you're talking about of the old yeah. school, guys like Breeze and Brady and, 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 and Rodgers – but with, you know, a little bit of that athleticism like Josh Allen, that ain't too bad either. So, well, great perspective. I love talking uh, football with you, D. That'll do it for this episode of Total Access the Locker room. For more insight with a locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday
0: on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring